Hello, everyone. You're welcome to another episode of the African Tech News. My name is Jeffrey. I do this with Farah every Tuesday. Depending on where you are in the world, I am in Accra, so we do it every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Um, when you go to where Farah is, it's 12. But very soon, this will be available for you wherever. So at whatever time it is, you can listen. We have... we upload it as a podcast if you want to know which platform it's it will be available for you you can visit africantechnewsweekly.com and you'll find all the information including the times that we go live so it corresponds with whichever time zone that you're in now today we are speaking to winifred cotin winifred i hope i got the surname correct yes you did spot on all right um, she's the COO for data analytics company, Superfluid Labs. Superfluid Labs is, as I said, a data analytics and artificial intelligence company that seeks to unlock data-driven insights and intelligence for profitable growth and enterprises, profitable growth for enterprises and organizations. Hello, Winifred, and welcome to African Tech News. Thank you. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you, Farah. Thanks for having me. All right. So first of, let's start with the idea or the problem that um, Superfluid Labs is seeking to solve in Africa. We know you're in Ghana, Kenya, and Germany. So what problem were you seeking to solve in these spaces that made you set up this company? Thanks, uh, Jeffrey. Thanks for that question. Um, so yes, Superfade Labs has been around for about five years now. And I want to start off from looking at data as a resource. So data is a very vulnerable resource. In fact, it's been described as uh, the new oil in a lot of spaces. And it is uh, some vulnerable resource that's can be used for a variety of purposes, especially um, in places where we are still developing, still emerging in economies that are still growing. There's a lot of opportunities for using data for impact, using data for economic empowerment. And for us at Superfit Labs, our mission is to unlock economic opportunities from data and um, also for, with artificial intelligence as our main tool. And we started off looking at um, various ways enterprises can take advantage of the data they have internally uh, from enterprise applications, from customer data, from other third-party data they can have access to to unlock more value for themselves internally to deliver superior services and products to their customers and to expand the opportunities um, they have in their various markets. So that's our vision. And we do this uh, through several uh, opportunities. We, we have one key one is helping businesses and enterprises determine who is good for credit by way of credit risk assessment of 
customers who desire to take loan products. And then also developing innovative solutions around helping retain their best customers, helping develop solutions that speak to the behaviors exhibited within the data, showing characteristics and attributes of their customers, which shows that they are likely to go for products and innovations that they develop and then helping them determine the various price points that would work best within their customer portfolios. Yeah, so I think that's what we do in a nutshell. Mm. All right. Um, before we move on to your operations in general, what informed the decision to set up base in Ghana, Kenya, and Germany? You could have gone to Nigeria, which is one of the biggest markets. So why these three spaces? Okay, thanks, Jeffrey. That's, that's a very important and interesting question. So as you can tell, I am Ghanaian and my co-founder, um, who's also our CEO, CEO Timothy is also Ghanaian. And so I think Ghana is quite obvious, but for Kenya and, and Germany, Originally, Timothy, who is the CEO, used to live in Kenya. So when we started uh, the business, Kenya was our first market because we were already in the market, working in the market and had seen opportunities for our services in the market. So it was the first market we, we started um, exploring and exploiting for business. And then we moved on to incorporating Ghana next. Um, and I must say that it's been interesting because we now have customers in over 10 African countries. Uh, Nigeria, it's a very big market for us as well, even though we don't have fiscal operations there. But we're able to serve customers in, in several African countries, actually. So it's been an exciting journey. And then we also needed to have some European presence because some of the businesses we serve are headquartered, uh, headquartered in, the, in Europe and then sometimes also in, in America. So sometimes our proximity to their HQ where decision-making is, is done has been very valuable. So we needed to have an out-of-the-continent office as well. All right. Uh so your comment about Ghana and Kenya brought this question to mind. How distinct are the African audiences or African customers? Uh, people usually say that we are so diverse, but for a business like yours, do you usually have, have to break uh, um, the African customers down into segments or one uh, strategy usually works for us all? Uh, I, I would say fortunately for us, because the service we are providing is a technology service, that, that, uh, that barrier has not been big for us because as long as you have a problem that can be solved with our technologies, then we, we have a common ground to work at. So I think that has also informed our ability to serve across uh, 10 different countries because the differences in culture, the differences, uh, specific differences of the various uh, locations has not had much impact for us. And one of the things I would say is we, we've only served in English speaking countries for now. 
So the language would be our only barrier. Um, but we are addressing that and soon we'll be able to serve other clients in uh, the Francophone countries as well. Mm. All right. Awesome. Thank you very much for that. Um, now, let's talk about the point you raised about credit risk assessment for companies. Um, can you explain to us how you help such organizations to look at this uh, these things using customer data and maybe third party data or whatever data that you have. All right, uh, thanks for the question, Jeffrey. So for credit risk assessment, and I must say that my background is actually in financial services. So I've been in banking uh, quite a long period before Superfit Lab. So I'm very familiar with the regular way we do credit risk assessment. And uh, the difference here is the capability of AI to determine patterns and be able to easily identify similarities in patterns, differences in patterns. And that attribute is what we use for our uh, AI-powered credit rates uh, scoring. What that means is that it actually widens the scope. So I'll, I'll make this uh, quite practical. So today, um, in Ghana, a lot of people do not have access to credit. And it is not because they don't have, a, they may not be trustworthy. No, it is because the current systems and solutions we have exclude them. In fact, according to the World Bank reports, the most recent report, about 1.7 billion people in this world are not able to prove their credit worthiness of, and are still underserved because they don't have enough of what's the traditional way of assessing risk uses, which is typically your income. So if you are an employed, you are employed as an individual, you have your, your bank statements showing your salary, monthly salary, which is one of the biggest data points we use in normal uh, credit risk scoring in most financial services. The other, uh, the other challenge and where we see the opportunity is that there's still a lot of vulnerable data that can help determine whether or not someone is, is good for credit, which the current systems uh, are limited by not being able to use it effectively because either the technologies are not present or the knowledge, the expertise needed to be able to do this, which is a lot of data science expertise. Uh, it's not, and then uh, data science expertise, um, data engineering, which is involved, which is, is not readily available because that skill set is still new on, on the market and we don't have a lot of available talent to do this. So that's where we come in. So we provide these capabilities and technologies and uh, to enable lenders to be able to take advantage of additional data and to be able to increase the customers they serve. So we have customers who are non-traditional lenders using our services. And one, one good example is a customer offering solar-powered devices on credit to some space, some places in East Africa where they do not have access to electricity as, as we have it. But they don't also have the means to pay upfront the full costs of these devices. So they need to 
spread it uh, from 12 to 24 months so that they can serve more people and they can get more people electricity. So just this just uh, to talk about how valuable the service is. So someone usually um, the businesses we work with really have a big challenge. They want to solve a challenge uh, like energy in this case uh, and, and in, in agriculture like farm inputs, supporting farmers as various value chains. But the risk is always how do you tell whether this person is good for credit or not? So with these uh, technologies and capabilities, we're able to take advantage of a variety of data. So I'll give an example in uh, for agricultural lending as an instance, things like a uh, historical yield, which a traditional banking assessment will may not consider uh, because it's very difficult to get historical yield. It's very difficult to take advantage of things like rainfall patterns, satellite, uh, weather satellite data, to use for credit risk appraisal to de determine whether this farm, uh, this farmer is actually a good for credit, whether historically they've been performing well, whether the yields they've been getting has been growing, and then whether or not they can complete a, a, a full season, send products uh, produced to market, and then pay back a loan. But with technologies such as what we offer, it's now possible to take advantage of all of those data sets, subjected to um, AI-trained models to be able to determine whether or not uh, this is person is good for credit and how much risk should be uh, given to the person in terms of how much, in terms of capacity, amount of money can this uh, search a customer be able to pay back and then the duration of, of the loan. So the models are able to predict quite a number of good uh, points for decision makers to take a chance of faith on this kind of borrower. Yeah, very interesting. So um, now let's talk about KYC because I noticed that you state that you also help companies with KYCs, um, and by extension, can you use that to explain the sort of data that you collect, whether from the companies or from third parties and analyze to give them these kinds of analysis? Thanks, uh, Jeff. So in terms of your uh, KYC, know your customer. The, our approach is on understanding, is from the understanding your customer more than the identity management uh, angle. Because typically for KYC, most people know it's only from the identity verification angle. So what we do is to help you take advantage of available data. And, and I use my words quite carefully because we actually do not collect data. Um, we, we've, we've never collected data as an entity before. We, our clients present their data and then they also, we help them find third party data if they don't have it and it's available on the market. So we have a lot of uh, new data, um, third party data, platforms and solution providers now on the market. I know in, in Ghana, for instance, uh, there's the ongoing national identification process. So that's, for instance, is a very vulnerable data source. When it becomes available uh, for businesses, search 
data can be added to help inform and create a, a profile for decision-making within an enterprise. So what we do is that we look at several data points to help you understand and to know your customer very well so that you're able to come up with the services that are in the best interest and also align with the way you want the, the customer to take advantage of it. So I'll give an example. So if uh, in, in a, a lending example, for instance, from the data, it tells you that uh, this is a small business and they normally need a working capital of for 60 days because from their transactions, it shows that their turnaround time for business would need a 60-day loan. You're able to use that information and that data to be able to now come up with working capital priced for that kind of customer. Instead of thinking of a normal uh, one-year loan and then pricing your interest rates accordingly for that kind of customer, you'll be able to price the loan amount and then the interest rate according to that specific kind of customer. And then if we, if we take uh, other use cases, so for instance, um, if this is not a lending uh, use case, uh, a customer who has a who is likely to go for an insurance product. How do you know that from the data, if you see that uh, they are always, let's say, paying school fees every, every month or uh, every four months, you see them transferring some funds to some schools from their account. This is a, a good indicator that this person is either a parent or a guardian. And if you have insurance policy for a life insurance policy or a policy, educational insurance policy, approaching them, you be more targeted in the way you approach them than actually making a big announcement, uh, sending campaigns to everybody. We have a new insurance product for education, which would not resonate with some other people within the portfolio. So that's how we help businesses take advantage of their data and know their customers much better so that they can be more effective in serving and selling to them. Okay, so based on what you've just said and the fact that you have a finance background, so let's say I have a bank or a microfinance company and I'm looking to scale and get more customers. What sort of services would Superfluid Lab provide for me because maybe I've tried all the conventional stuff, but I'm not seeing much difference. So what sort of services and what sort of things would um, Superfluid provide for me, including the kind of advice that would help me scale and reach more customers and therefore improve on my profits? That's, that's a, thanks for that question, Jeffrey. You said something very critical at, at the end and increase your profits, you see, because business is really about profitability at the end of the day. So one of the key advice we would tell you is to always start from home. And research has shown that 95% of the time you make more money from selling to those you already have than from acquiring new customers. So that's one of the key things 
relies, which also relates to the earlier discussion point around understanding and knowing your customers. So the first thing we'll be looking to do is to find out which of your customers are best fit for additional services you haven't talked about so you can innovate for that. Which of your customers are not doing enough with you as a business? Because one way to scale, it's also to sell more to the same uh, person. So I'll give this as an example. So assuming we all check into a hotel today, um, we check in for one week, the three of us. And then I, I stay in one room. When it's morning, I wake up, I have the normal breakfast, which comes with my room. And I get out of the hotel. I come back in the night. Maybe I'm attending conferences. I come back in the night. I sleep. I don't take dinner. I don't take anything. And then I stay for one week and I move out. And then uh, Jeffrey, you also stay in the same hotel, actually. But you use the gym service. Every morning you go to the gym. And then um, you also give them your laundry. As, as well as you see that, oh, they actually have um, a place for a spa, a mini spa, and you take advantage of the mini spa. At the end of the day, you are a more profitable customer to the hotel than I am because not only did you stay for seven days, you used three more services, three to four more services. They make more profits from you than they would have made for me. So that's the analogy we always we like to, to, to share. That's always think about when you think of scaling, look at what additional things you can offer um, to the existing customers because you know them. So for instance, knowing them is the first step and then deciding which of your services they can take advantage of but are not using then that would be a good a good place to, to get started. And then to reducing those living because uh, customer retention is one of the things that a lot of businesses, especially in Ghana, overlook. A lot of businesses are very, very much driven uh, to grow customers. And the churn rate of customer, customers leaving the portfolio, it's so high. They have customers, they have campaigns, customers come in, they are thrilled, they're excited, but they leave. And they don't even know or notice that you stop doing business. No one is calling you. Nobody's checking up on you. Nobody's asking. It's been a while. Um, and you were enjoying the services with us and you've stopped. So one of the things we would do is to help in retention, making more business from existing customers. Then number two is to offer new services that you don't already have. That the market is ready to go for. So... One of such uh, services, which because we have a very big underserved market for credit, is innovative credit solutions. So besides the regular credit products for this particular microfinance or financial institution you have, what additional products can you launch that would be valuable to the market? So for instance, um, I'll take one um common thing which is not readily available, something like airtime credits. A lot of people would actually benefit from airtime credits or internet uh, credits for internet bundles. But a lot of our banks don't offer that to us. 
And this is the period of uh, digitization. COVID happened, a lot of us are online. We're having this meeting online. It's like a regular thing we are always buying. And it is such a small value that the risk level for rates is, is, is something you can easily calculate for uh, using technologies like what Superfleet provides. So we can help you actually innovate around that. And through that uh, innovative product, you open up your market to so many other customers who were not in, in your portfolio already. They will come through. And then we also help you also establish other partnerships. So sometimes you have your customers, but another entity, which is not a financial institution, has a bigger target, a, a bigger market of customers they are serving, like a filling station. How can you partner with a filling station to offer some innovative services uh, to the millions of customers using a particular brand of, um, of, of uh, from a filling station or a fuel company? So those are the kind of strategic partnerships we help you use data for to take advantage and expand and scale your services. And then we also offer uh, our engagement um, opportunity so that you can send very targeted messages and improve on customer retention, cross-selling. And we're actually doing this with one of our partners uh, called Beam Africa. They're also serving a, a lot of customers within Africa. And actually, I think it's a very good opportunity for a lot of businesses who are looking to scale, especially scale beyond the countries they are present in, to take advantage of services as those offered uh, from us to scale and become more profitable. All right, that's great. Um, so far we've been mentioning financial companies Break. What about um, companies in spaces like the media, the ones who sell food and those other things? Do your services reach these types of businesses? Fortunately, yes. Uh, since there's a common resource here, which is data, um, everyone can still take advantage of data analytics and AI to offer and scale their businesses. So for instance, uh, for media companies, media companies run mostly on uh, advertising income. And one key thing is advertising is um, a very expensive cost to a lot of businesses that are now emerging, but that's bracket is, is really not served by a lot of media houses because a lot of uh, new or now starting businesses are not able to pay for advertising. So how can a media company, for instance, take advantage of uh, that problem using data to solve? Um, one, one way to look at it is what kind of innovative services and solutions can a media company offer to search customers who are currently not their customers to get them to buy some media time, some advertising time to run some campaigns and how can they be innovative around it? How do they determine the pricing and optimize around the pricing so that they can bundle some services for a number of startups 
to pay and then be featured on the program to increase their income. So for instance, something that's, uh, what is common about them? What are the data points that we can use to create segments within our customer portfolio and then offer different pricing tiers so that we can still capture a lot of the underserved markets when it comes to um, use of and purchasing of uh, media time, advertising time. So, and then also going back to the customer retention um, opportunity here for media companies, if you had a company or an entity that was buying um, quarterly some advertising time from you or speaking to speak on a show and then you notice that there are no more coming, are you even able to tell that they have reduced uh, the amount they were, they were buying? So assuming you run a newspaper uh, business and you actually have uh, 50 ads per print, okay? If they reduce, are you able to readily tell who is no more showing up, whether they've been coming frequently, or they are one of, if they are also one of, what can you do so that you can ensure that they become more frequent uh, in terms of how much they buy or how much print space they buy within, within the newspaper? Those are all the kind of things that if you are able to take advantage of your data, know what data to track, capture it, manage it, analyze it, and get insights from, you can do a lot to increase profitability for a media house. Okay, so still staying on your services. In 2020, you teamed up with an art technology platform. Um, I'm not sure of the pronunciation of the name, so I will avoid that. But you teamed up with a company to deploy machine learning and AI that will accurately predict the true value of art pieces. Can you give us a sense of how this platform works? and how African artists can benefit from it. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so um, with, with art pieces, um, very interestingly, they are investments in quotes, I call them investments. They have valuation and their valuation increases based on some specific attributes and these attributes are all data points. And um, so, for our work with that particular uh, entity, one of the key things they were seeking to solve for is to be able to predict the future value of an art piece. So that when selling the art pieces, they would be able to advise their customers that, oh, buy art from uh, Farah because uh, she may be an up and coming artist, but everything indicates from the data that artists like her within five or 10 years of holding her art pieces have so much in valuation. So you can sell them off and make so much more uh, profit um, from, from the sale. So those, that's, that's the way they're using artificial intelligence to increase uh, and scale the opportunity for artists um, to sell their products, especially to art lovers globally. Okay, so if um, there's any African artist who's listening to this podcast, how can they get access to this great 
platform. I think they can just speak with us. We will definitely refer them to the company. All right. That'll be okay. good. Um, now let's talk about competition because you are in a space where, as you said, data is the new oil. How competitive is your space? How do you work around competition? And are there any instances where you work with some of these people who you would ordinarily consider competitors in the space? Competition. I think competition is a, is a very interesting topic. Um, and I say it's interesting because for us, we've had a collaborative approach uh, from, from day one uh, because data is actually um, as a byproduct of digitization. So a lot of tech companies existing today are actually partners more than competitors. And 80% um, of the companies we work with actually, you would term them as competitors, but they are actually not. Um, because they realize something in business, certain things are key. Speed is one of the big factors in business. And even though they are also tech companies, the time it takes to seize an opportunity and deliver on the opportunity is really what everybody strives to, to take advantage of as a business. So even though they, most of them could have or might have gotten to the place where they are taking advantage of their data to develop the capabilities we have, the skill sets are quite unique and still emerging. So it might take them a longer time to find the talent and then to be able to do this. So in that case, collaborating with another technology company that specializes in that thing that is not present internally has been the big advantage for both of both, both um, companies. So we've been more collaborative than competitive, actually, with a lot of the companies we've worked with and are still working with and are present in the market. So we've served a lot of companies that are tech companies. In fact, we've served some companies that are actually also data analytics company because we've built a lot of specialization around what we do so that we can actually deliver in seconds. Uh, something that takes pretty much a long time for uh, someone venturing in it for a first time. All right. Let's talk about regulators and, in essence, state agencies. Um, I will talk about what I know, which is in Ghana. Regulators and state agencies tend to be usually a bit tedious to work with in the sense that there's, they are slower than what you would experience in the private spaces. How is it like working with these agencies? And are there any of them that have come to you to seek your services? Um, I, I think so far we haven't had the opportunity to actually serve a regulator yet, even though we have certifications from some of the regulatory uh, authorities, we haven't had opportunity to, to serve them yet. And, and, you, and you said something which is quite true. It's not uh, that they are slower, but I think the rate of innovation when it comes to the digital space is, is really, really fast. And um, people wake up, 
they have an idea, they launch, they start working on it, and immediately there's an unregulated space which happened overnight. So the regulator has to now come in after the fact to define the regulation around that particular service. And, and that's actually what happens typically in the market. And I'm sure this happens in, in most markets. And not, not to just to give an example, there was a while back that Facebook wanted to get into some specific spaces, which they were not, which was falling in a regulatory territory but had some undefined lines you see and so the regulator had to step in let everything be on pause to take a to take a look at how that space can be well regulated so usually that's what happens with uh, digital uh, businesses and technology businesses but i think that the key here is to quickly meet the regulator and learn how uh, you can get your service regulated if need be. And I think for me, one of the uh, things I have been happy about with, in Ghana is with the, the Data Protection Commission, because I think that that, has, that is going to really help us in terms of uh, awareness on the value of data, because now there's a regulatory authority called Data Protection Commission with a bill. People now know that, oh, so data is some valuable asset and some valuable resource. And if there's a whole regulatory authority around it, then I must be thinking about data, right? I must be thinking about data. Why am I not thinking about data? Because I think everything else that is important is being regulated. The media is being regulated. Communications is being regulated. Financial institutions are being regulated. A lot of things are being regulated. And once there's regulation, then it becomes top, top of mind for the market. So I think having regulators coming uh, to regulate the space is, is actually good for awareness creation. It's also very good for confidence boosting in, in the market. Anyone working can also be sure that you're working within defined guidelines. And when uh, people are giving off their data, they can be sure that this is a trusted party. They have the necessary certifications to manage or process this data. And then also a lot of awareness on how much data you should provide or you should leave out. Uh, because until then, a lot of data was actually very much available without proper management. So for instance, you enter a building uh, for a meeting and you are required to leave a lot of key information. I remember there was once I went for a meeting in one particular commercial um, a commercial space and I had to, they were asking for my ID card. You know, that's very sensitive information, but I didn't have any assurance from them that my ID card, which is a very powerful document, was going to be managed properly. Okay, but having a regulator available and enforcing certain rules and also stipulating certain rules will put a lot of order and structure in the system and would also help uh, us know how much data to collect and also clearly state the purpose for the data uh, we are collecting. And then we also don't collect data that is actually unnecessary. Sometimes when you are filling a form, you see a lot of unnecessary data but they are all required fields, you know, and you can't say that, why are you asking me for so much? Because this is not essential for the service I require. But if we have regulations, 
people would be forced to comply, entities would be forced to comply, and then we will start treating data as a vulnerable resource, which it has now become. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Um, so finally, if I have anything doing and I want to get in touch with um, Superfluid Labs as a customer and, or as a partner, how do I get in touch with you? Our website is the main place um, to get access to everything, partnership, um, engagements for services, for consulting, and to use the services we have available. And then we also offer training. I think that was one of the things I, I did mention. We also offer capacity building so that a lot of entities would know what and how to take advantage of data in the first place. So you can do so through our website, which is spelled S-U-P-E-R-F-L-U-I-D dot I-O. So super like your normal super superstar, fluid like water fluid dot I-O. That is our website. And on our website, we have all these uh, services directly accessible. We have forms. You complete them and then we are good to go. Mm. Thank you very much for that. Um, and thank you for being with us. Farah, uh, I am done with the questions that I put together for the conversation. I don't know if you have any more questions for Winifred. And I think uh, one more thing, just to add, we are also available on all the social media platforms. Same name, Superfluid Labs. All right, all right, great. Thank you Thank very you. much. Um, I'm not sure if Farah can hear us or if she has any questions, but I will wait for maybe two minutes, a minute. If she doesn't, then I will end the conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Jeffrey. It's been a great time. I'm looking forward to speaking some more in the future. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. Um, so thank you, every, uh, Winifred, once again. Um, so for everyone else listening, this has been the African Tech News. It's been a great conversation with Winifred. Winifred is the COO of Superfluid Labs. Um, as you heard, they provide a lot, including capacity building and other training or how companies can take advantage of data to scale up. So get in touch with them on social media. Just go search for Superfluid Labs. Or you can just go on Google, type in Superfluid Labs. You get a whole lot. So S-U-P-E-R-F. L-U-I-D space L-A-B-S. If you search for this on Google, you will get a whole lot, including how to get in touch with them. So you get in touch with them and then um, you experience such great service. It looks super interesting. Um, I don't know if I'm the only one excited about how data is being used by them, but it looks like a super interesting 
thing. So um, thank you once again, Winifred. Our podcast is available on um, Anchor, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, on Pocket Cast, and some other platforms. Just visit African Tech News Weekly to get access to whichever platforms that we are on, or you can just get in touch with us on social media. Farah on Twitter is Farah Brunash, F-A-R-A-H-B-R-U-N-A-C-H-E. My handle on Twitter is at OJ Sapon, O-J-S-A-R-P-O-N-G. So we meet next Tuesday with another interesting conversation. Um, Stay safe. COVID is still out there. And take care of yourself. Thank you, everyone. And thank you once again, Winifred. Thank you. Bye.